Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's Word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact their world for Christ. So here's what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Glory, yes, Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. We give you glory. fear for you. To fear God is to honor him. It's a reverence. It's a regard. It's an acknowledgement of who he is. How much you all respect him. How much you understand his commitment to you and how it inspires you to serve, follow and walk with him. Ask the Lord right now. There's such an assault for God's children to become people of no honor, no fear of God. I want you to pray that prayer. Lord, I don't want that to slip from me. I don't want any imagination in my mind that will cause me to lose my honor for you. To serve you without honor, to follow you without honor. Spirit of God, I pray. I want you to pray that from your heart. Not just mortal words. Pray it with a deliberate desire in your heart. Glory to God. We give you worship. Hallelujah. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Beloved Father, we thank you. We acknowledge your goodness over our life as individuals, as families, as a church, and as a member of the body of Christ. We're here again to honor you to hear from you, to be impacted by your word. We pray that as your word will come forth this morning, our minds will be renewed. You will open the eyes of our understanding. You will help us by your word and spirit to break down every reasoning or imagination that exhausts itself against the word of God. And let Jesus be revealed and glorified. Use this vessel in Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody say, Warriors, Amen. Yeah. 
All right, please have your seat. Glory to God. Are you ready this morning? Yes, sir. I didn't hear everybody. Are you ready? Please let's try to minimize the movement so you can sit down and hear what I'm saying. Alright? Walkers, no talking while the word of God is being taught. Anything you want to sort, sort it out before the word. Praise the Lord. Alright. Are we ready? Now, um, while I was at Dom praying, I said some things on the church WhatsApp and also on the choir WhatsApp. As I was praying, I asked the Lord to show me what he will do or what he will have me see. Jesus said, I do nothing of myself except that which I see the Father does. That's what I do. Praise the name of the Lord. At the moment I prayed that prayer, the Spirit of God opened my eyes and showed me two things, which will inspire me to say this before I begin to teach. Uh, you've heard us read constantly. I'm going to take time to teach that in detail later. In Matthew 26, verse 41, when Jesus found the disciples, when he took them to the mountain to pray with him, and he came back and they were sleeping. And he said, why are you guys sleeping? He said, watch and pray. Everybody say, watch and pray. And did he hear everybody? Say it one more time. Say it again. Watch and pray that you fall not into temptation. Look at somebody close to you say, watch and pray. Many of us have been used to the praying side, but very few of us have actually looked at the watch side. What does it mean to watch? To watch simply means to be alert. To be alert, to be vigilant, to be sensitive. And one of those ways you watch uh, you know, Habakkuk tells us why we need to watch. Go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. I just want to hit the nail at the head and begin to teach the word. Why do we need to watch? Why did the Bible tell us to watch? One of the reasons many believers, their prayers are manipulated by their need. Listen, by the way, if your prayer life is manipulated by your need, you are a kindergarten in the things of the Spirit. Did you hear what I said? If your prayer is only bless me, give me, bless me, give me, you are a kindergarten in the kingdom of God and in the realm of the spirit. And there's, God can't use you because you are too selfish. A, a prayer life is a life that knows how to key into the mind of God and God uses his or our prayer life to birth his will and purpose through him for a season. That's what the purpose of prayer is. Most of the time Jesus prayed, he was praying for people. But the devil has succeeded in deceiving many people. We were conscious, especially if there's an era of our life where you know, we seem to be having a particular need that has been unfold. You, you, you need to be very careful because the enemy can use that to influence the way you pray. You hear what I said? So you need to be very careful. I remember when I came to this time, before this church started, I didn't have anything. I was squatting somewhere, and, you know, I did have three square meals to eat. Most of the days I fasted, not because I wanted to fast, because there was no food. I didn't have a job. And so some of the days I would drink Gary. So one of the days, I just sat down in the morning, and I was going through a lot of thoughts in my mind, and just thinking. Then God, the Spirit of God asked me a question. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm thinking about my life. He said, thinking about what? Yes, I said my life. He said, that's your problem. And that's the problem of the He said, it's not your place to think about your life. Then I now remembered Matthew. He said, take no thought concerning your life. Is that what he says? Yeah. He said, don't even think about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Because if, you are, if your thoughts are controlled by your feelings, by how you feel, how you think, what you need, you are going to be limited and manipulated by the devil. Jesus said, don't do that. He said, take no thought. He said, rather seek first my kingdom and his righteousness. And what did he say? Every other thing shall be added unto you. What is the one reason today why many are not kingdom focused and they are following God? Personal issues. It's family issue. 
personal issue, the way I'm feeling, things are not working out, relationship is not flowing well, something is wrong somewhere. It's all personal, personal, personal. And when you think like that, you are kindergarten in the spirit realm and God can even use you. So God said to me, he said, you know what? He said, that's my place, not your place. Don't do that. Then he said to me, he said, now nah, I want you to convert your need into a seed. I said, what does that mean? He said, begin to pray for others. Stop praying for yourself. And I said, I'm praying for others. And you would not believe. That was how God said everything my needs. God was just giving me favor with people and everything I needed at that season of my life. He supplied all of them when he succeeded in shifting my focus from selfishness, self-centeredness to kingdom. Tell anybody say you need to be focused on the kingdom. Sometimes some of the reason why people can serve God the way they should is because of selfishness, self-centeredness, my issues, my shadow, my time, my, 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 my. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must do what? Hate yourself or hate your life. He said, he that saves his life will do what? He'll lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake and the gospel will reap not just a hundredfold here, but eternal life thereafter. Hallelujah. So why do we need to watch in addition to prayer? Because if you don't watch, your prayer life will be manipulated by the devil, manipulated by your selfishness and your circumstance. Look at why we should watch. Habakkuk chapter 2. What's wrong with this? Is it not working? Habakkuk 2 verse 1 to verse 3. Hallelujah. What does it say? Verse 1. I told you to open the Habakkuk 2. Everybody go there. Some of you don't have Bible. Maybe I know a member of this church. Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 1 to verse 3. Is everybody there? What did he say? Pastor Peter, where's your Bible? Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. What does it say? I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and watch this and I will do what? I will watch. What are you watching for? Read it, read it. What did you say you should watch for? Everybody said to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Look at the next verse. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may roll that redeem it. For the vision is yet for what? An appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come to pass. It will not tarry. So what do we watch for? To see what he will say. What do you watch for? To see what he will say. Now, who will say? God will say. Or heaven will say. So, the key to a powerful prayer life is when the activities of your prayer life is regulated or supervised from heaven. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Do you know what the reason God gave you and I the executive privilege to pray? It's so that we can produce or birth his will in the earth. What was the first statement Jesus taught the disciples in, uh, I believe in uh, Luke 11 or so? He said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That, because they say, pray like this. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done where? On earth. As what? Who are the instrument through which that will be fulfilled? You and I. So, what have you accessed about God's will that you are pushing in the place of your prayer life? What have you seen? Or all you see is you, me, myself, 
like that. That's the way, that's why we serve God the way we are. Because we only see us. We just see we. And there's so much God wants to do in your life. A brother went home one night and he wanted to sleep. He just came back, he was very tired. But he was active to God. Very active. As he was bad, sleeping spirit, God said, hey, go to that your neighbor several doors from you. And go and tell, preach to God. He said, Lord, this is about almost 12 midnight. Everybody should be sleeping by now. God says, no, don't sleep, go. There are two options available to the brother. If his prayer life is regulated by the flesh, which is earthly things, he will say, let me respect the privacy of everybody. I go and sleep tomorrow. I go and check him out. But if his prayer life is regulated by heaven and is alert to what the Spirit of God is saying, he will obey that instance. And you know what he did? He went straight and knocked at the door, even though it didn't make sense. And he said, please don't be annoyed. Um, Spirit of God sent me to share some things with you. And he began to talk to him about Jesus, how much God loves him, how much God, you know, through Jesus demonstrated that love on the cross. And as he was talking, talking, the guy started crying. And he was like, okay, what did I say that is making you cry? Then the guy opened the door. He had tied the rope to hang himself that night. So that next day they would have heard somebody died. Just because one selfish Christian they don't hear God. He's only thinking about me, myself, and I. Do you know what will happen to that believer? Another day again, another believer was praying. The Lord said to him, say, go to a bridge. This happened in the U.S. Say, go to a bridge. Now. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So he was going. As he was like, said, only go say, stop him before he does that. He quickly rushed there, stopped the guy, preached the gospel. The guy got born again. Another day, God said to someone again, this story they used to teach us then. The Spirit of God said, He said, Go to the bush and go and preach to the trees. Eh? So go and tell them about my love. Say, Tree. Okay. Even though his brain was, you know, all over the place, he's told, I have come to preach to all of you, Tree. Hear me now. Jesus loves you. <laughs> As he was preaching and teaching and speaking and preaching and teaching, so he led them. You know, in prayer for, to receive Christ. Guess what happened? When he finished, a guy came out from one of the bush. He wanted to hang himself and die. Jesus said, I came to save that which was what? Lost. God's priority. You see, God's kingdom priority is different from your priority. But when you enter the kingdom, God's priority should regulate your priority. Did you hear what I said? Some of us are in the kingdom and want to function as we. It will work. It will work. So, what do we watch for? What is the signal from what? From heaven. What is the Spirit of God saying? A brother, you know, we just, we've been attending a meeting where they invited us in Capitalist Church. And something the, the preacher said. A brother just came back from work in the evening. Entered his room. As he wanted to switch off the uh, light, the Holy Ghost said, don't touch the switch. Uh -uh. He said, don't. Okay. And so let him on television. The Holy Ghost said, don't touch the TV. Uh. So it's okay. So he sat down. Since you said, I shouldn't put on light. I shouldn't put it. I will stay inside here. The last time I went, the Holy Ghost said, you can put the light on now. So he went, switch on the light, switch on the light. So I was like, what was this? When he came back, they had robbed everybody in the compound except him. The time they were, God told him not to switch on the switch, they, were, they had passed his place and he had not returned from work. So when they checked, they said, Lord, they. So they went to the other side. So if he had put on the switch and the television, they, he don't come back. Oh, yeah. Hello? So, so, see, that's how our, when we come to church, our flesh must die. Did you hear what I said? The way you think must die. It must be replaced by the way Jesus wants you to think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. What is that mind? A mind that is submitted always to the will of God. You may not like it. You may not want it. But if the Spirit says it, that's what the heaven wants. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Who is regulating your prayer life? Is it heaven? Because many of us are not watching. 
We're not watching. And, and, and the system of this world is full of distractions. And those distractions wants to make you king. It's all about how you feel, what you want. All is about you. All is about you. But what God wants to do much more in your life. I pray you take that limit off in Jesus' name. Break that cycle of selfishness. Galatians 2.20 says, I'll be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by who? The faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave his life for me. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said Jesus died for us. Let me show you that. Can, can you go there? Let me just show you. This is what Christianity is all about. When that begins to dominate your prayer life, brothers and sisters, you will step into a new flow of grace that will change your life in 2022. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, everybody. Who is regulating your prayer life? You or heaven? Is it heaven's agenda that is the subject or the emphasis of your prayer life or your personal issue? Some of you, when the thing is about you, every other thing shuts down. Because you are king. Second Corinthians 5. Are we there? Alright. Look at verse uh, 14 and verse 15 to 16. It says, for the love of Christ. Praise God. The love of Christ means when you got born again, you've been born into a new love, a new passion, a new hunger, a new drive. For the love of Christ constrains us. I like your translation. It says the love of God overmasters us. Hallelujah. Because we thus judge, it gives you a new philosophy, a new ideology, and a new approach to life. Because we thought that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Tell the neighbor, say you are dead to your former life. It is the devil that is trying to resurrect it through your mind. You are dead. Who you were is dead. You are a new man. Now, say I'm a new man in Christ. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, he sums it up in verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You are a new man with a new mindset, with a new orientation, with a new drive, with a new push. You are a Jesus man now. Say amen. amen. Say to somebody, I'm a Jesus man. Look, look, say, 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 I am a Jesus man. Watch this. Watch this. He said, verse 15. That he died for all, that they which live should what? Should henceforth live, should not, not henceforth live unto themselves, but to him. So Christianity is not living for you. Christianity is living for who? Jesus. So who should be the Lord of your prayer life? See, some of you can't even answer. Are you angry? Who, you were not saved to you, you were saved to his lordship. Who should be the lord of your prayer life? Yeah. I, I want to see where you will grow and I will talk, ask your prayer life. Say, God is telling me to pray for Singapore. Singapore. Some people say, you are praying for Singapore. Your problem for Nigeria, you don't finish. That's a selfish Christian talking. God can wake you in the night and say, get up, pray for Malaysia now. Now, pray for Malaysia. Why? Because I want to do something and God has made a choice that if he's going to do anything in the earth, he has to do it through his church, which is you and I. We are the body of Christ. Without his body, he can function. We are his body. So he can raise you. When you start seeing nation, then you are doing your, your, your kingdom focus. Say amen. Say good amen. amen. Alright? He said, live unto the same, but unto him that died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, Know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we know more. We now know men through the Spirit, through what Christ has done. We don't see people from the natural standpoint. We don't see them through history, our history anymore. We're not seeing them through what Jesus says, what he has done for them, and how much he wants them to happen. There are some things, there are some needs that are attached to your obedience to God's will. Once you obey and begin to do it, the will will be met. 90% 90, 90 of the things I have in my life didn't come because I asked. They came because I submitted to the will of God. 
You hear what I said? I submitted. The guy who God has used to give me all the cars, all the cars I have driven within a short time, about five of them, came to my life because I obeyed the will of God more than 30, almost 20, 30 years ago. God spoke to me. I just left secondary school. And I had enough sense to be praying, God, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? I wasn't thinking like an early average young person. That was why one of, I never prayed for who to marry. God just led me to it. Because if you are sold out to his will, he's committed to you too. Because your needs are attached to his will. So if you submit to his will, your needs will find you. Am I making any sense? The supply to your needs will find you. Hallelujah. All right. That's, that's what I want to say. So make sure I posted something. One of the ways you watch is watch for what God is saying in the house. God has given us a prophetic word. Are you saying it? Do you see it? We are constantly on a 14 days challenge. Are you watching for that? Or you are just the type that you only go to WhatsApp to gossip, to gist, and to catch up with friends. Our WhatsApp page it's a page where we paste updates in church and what the Spirit of God. I'm very sure many of you have read some things in your phone this morning that has nothing to do with your destiny. But there are some prophetic words that has been posted on the WhatsApp. You have not seen it. I pasted one on the word, church priest, this thing, and one on this early morning around after five. And one on the choir page, what the Holy Spirit showed me. If you are a watchful believer, who knows how to watch? You would have seen it and you would have said it keyed into it. But no, 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 no. If it's not but if it's not about you, it's not important, it's not urgent. You need to break away from that. Say amen. Yeah. All right, so the word is enough for the wise. Are we ready for the word? Yes, All right, we'll be talking about what contending in prayer. Say that. I'm not hearing everybody. I am not hearing everybody. I need to be sure you are here. What are we talking about? Today we're looking at part four. Everybody say contending in prayer. I didn't hear you. Come on, are you here? Put on your warrior voice. Say it louder. Yeah, contending in prayer. And he said, this is an important aspect of all believers' prayer life that you will have to address We've gone, in, gone through a lot of stuff to get the message, but I'm going to pick it up from somewhere. We're looking at setting contention, and let me just say this. We said the place of prayer is the place of pruning. Everybody say pruning. Pruning. Every, I said everybody say pruning. Uh -huh. When I talk, you respond. That, that's how we do it. Say everybody say pruning. Good. Say pruning. You know what pruning is? Uh, it means to separate. When you prune something, you separate the important part from the non-important part. Is that clear? Is that clear? That's what we call pruning. Now, those people who harvest wheat and rice and beans, they take them through what they call pruning. Another word for pruning is the word seeding. You, they, they, either they beat it, they have different approach to pruning. But they do it so that they can separate the important part from the all important part. Like wheat, they have to take out the shaft so you can get the raw wheat. Or else, if you take the shaft and the wheat, there'll be a problem. Okay? So, prayer spiritually is a pruning. When we pray, we go through a pruning. There are a lot of acquired weeds in our life that we have acquired in our mind. And prayer helps to address those weeds because the resistance or the hindrances that come, that we deal with in life, they're not necessarily from the devil. The devil is secondary level. They're basically from those weeds that we have acquired in our lives. Jesus confronted it because you remember when Jesus was on earth, he didn't operate as God because that would have been unfair. He would have been reduced to just a spectator 
oh wow, everything he did, powerful, praise God. But he didn't do that. The Bible said in Philippians 2, when he came to earth, he took the form of a man. So he became like us. Hello? That's why he was born like us. Say he was born like us. God became a man so that he can identify with us and rescue us. So that's what the Bible said. He was tempted in what? In all points, yet without sin. Why was he with us? Because he was God? No. Because he came as a man depending on the Holy Spirit to live a victorious life so he can live a pattern for you and I to follow. If Jesus operated as God, he wouldn't have said in John 14, 12, the works that I do shall you do also and even greater works than these shall you do. Is that not true? That, that would have been wrong. But he operated as a man so that he can become the worthy sacrifice that will rescue humanity from the bondage Adam has sold man into. Say amen. Is that very clear? So when Jesus was about to die, he taught us an important lesson about prayer. He knew the will of God says that he, was be, he will be the one that would die on the cross. He knew. But when he got to Gethsemane, he began to pray. He said, Lord, if it be your will, uh-uh. He knew that it was God's will. He even told the disciples beforehand, I am going to go to Jerusalem. I will be arrested. I will be killed. I will die. But I will rise after three days. Is that not true? Very clear. Matthew 16 said it clear. He knew from day one. He knew his purpose. He knew why he came. And he knew what God wanted to achieve. Through. But yet in the place of Gethsemane, he began to pray. Lord, if it be thy will. When did certainty turn into if? Then I understood that Jesus was dealing with this because he was confronting the limitations, the frailty, the struggles that Adam's sin had released into humanity. The selfishness. Everybody say the selfishness. Yeah. The selfishness, the self-centeredness. The struggles, the pressure to focus on your convenience rather than what God's will want for your life. He had to deal with those things. That was why he had to pray. Because it was very easy for Jesus to just say, you know what? I don't need to take this choice. Especially when, uh, what's his name? Judas had just betrayed him. But he went to the Father and he began to pray. And the Bible said as he prayed, God sent an angel from heaven to do what? To strengthen him. So prayer is the place for pruning. Because there are certain weeds in your life that do not want you to go to the next level. There are some weeds of pride. Everybody say pride. There are some weeds of stubbornness. There are some weeds of unforgiveness. There are some weeds of worries and cares. The only way to break away from them begins from the place of prayer. Because as you pray, you, you secure the strength to overcome and you secure the grace to go to the next level. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why we contend in prayer. Because if we do not pray, we will be overwhelmed with our humanity. Have you noticed? Everybody pay attention to this story. You remember what the book is saying? And this happens to every one of us. He said he woke up one morning in his house. He lives in the U.S. And as he came out of his room, the Spirit of God opened his eyes. He saw his wife. She was busy with house chore, cleaning, you know, hello, mothers, you know, cleaning, sweeping. Hey, you shout for You shout for another one. You shout for this one. You slap one. If I blow your head. <laughs> That's the mother talking low. Then, while she was busy with all the art church, he said God opened his eyes and he saw an angel try to talk to her. Whoa, he was like, praise God. That means my wife will share a testimony with me today. So he went about his business. He didn't say anything. In the evening, he came back. The wife was still busy, busy, busy. And he saw the angel still started, tried to talk to her. Uh -uh. So he now called the wife. He said, honey, do you know God sent an angel to tell you something? He said, eh? Say, he said, I saw him in the morning. I thought by now you would have heard. But apparently you're not hearing. 
So, there was a word from God, but there were domestic issues. Everybody say domestic issues. Personal interests that is not allowing her to connect with what God wanted to tell her. So she said, thank you. She dropped everything she was doing. She went straight into the room and she began to pray. And as she was praying, she downloaded the message. And God, you know what God told her? It was about a friend who had a need somewhere else and God needed her to pray in order to help her. It wasn't even about her. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It wasn't even about her. So when God began to talk to me this morning about watch your prayer, I was like, thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray so we can break through and break from. Some of us have acquired some habits of distractions. We don't even know where we are distracted. You'll be talking to some people, the way they will switch off from the gist that you are talking about, even they themselves will not even know. Then you say, hey, I thought we were, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Something else came to my mind. They have acquired a habit of distraction in the way they talk, the way they, the way they think, and the way they act. They can't focus. These are weeds that some of us have acquired habits of distraction. Like you are in church, you can't help but check your phone. You can't help but, you know, answer somebody that is trying to read. In church, when God is speaking to you. Those are habits that prevents us from it. Because even at that moment, while you're trying to do that, the Spirit of God it just wants to give you a word. What is the whole essence of hearing the word? What is the whole essence of reading the Bible? To introduce us to the person of Jesus. Amen. The object of revelation is not information, it's encounter. When you are able to encounter God, hear his voice, and listen to what he will have you say and do. That's the whole essence of the training of the word. If what you claim to know does not introduce you to an encounter with God, then you know what you're doing? You're just acquiring information that is not changing your life. That's why a lot of people, they have been in church for 10 years, they are still the same. Nothing is changing. Why? Because they are not encountering God. They are just acquiring information, 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 information. Every program, new information. Every program, new information. Every program, new information. But no encounter. So I pray we understand the power of contending in prayer. See, I hear you. I wish you together. Somebody said, Jesus, speak to me today. Alright, we said Jesus taught and demonstrated to us that we pray to weed out and conquer every unwanted element. To wear out every resistance that conflicts, fight, to destroy every hindrance. I've, I've spoken about this before. Interferences and interruption. Like the woman who was busy with house chore. It wasn't even the devil. Like it was house chore. House commitment. You know, busy, busy, busy. That's why you need to learn to watch even in the midst of busyness. Because the Holy Ghost may be trying to tell. God taught me about the power of focus one day. I was reading my job. I was going for job lesson. As I was coming back, I would usually take taxi to come back to the house. And the, the driver was blasting music, you know, because we live in a crazy world. And the Holy Ghost started talking to me. The moment he spoke to me, I would lie to you. The sound of, you know, they don't, bleep, bleep, bleep. I didn't hear one sound. Everything shut down and shut out. And I started hearing what God was saying to me. It was when it was time for me to come down that the sound of the music resumed. If we do not learn to position, because some of you, you are a walking distraction. You look, you are smiling, but inside of you, there's a war going on. You're not composed. You, you are saying 10 things at the same time. Thinking 200 things at the same time. Yeah, you are, your life is a jack of all trades, master of law. This today you are doing Bitcoin. Tomorrow you are doing uh, network marketing. And what, what other day you are doing like that? The other day you are doing this. So nothing to show for it. Settle down and break free from that. Say amen. amen. You hear me? It says we, we push through manipulation. Some of you, you are being manipulated and you don't even know it. You're being manipulated by people and you don't even know it. You're being manipulated, satanic manipulation, human, there's satanic manipulation, there's human manipulation and you don't even know it. Why? Because you've not built a lot of prayer power around yourself to shield you from all those manipulations. 
Alright? And there is control of the flesh and of the enemy that will not let us get into the next phase of life. There are, if you don't, there are some weeds they can keep you stuck in one place for 10 years and nothing will change. You'll be telling the same story, singing the same song, dancing to the same tune. Prayer also positions us for the manifestation of the will of God. We pray to be aligned with God and his will. I've already said that. Prayer brings us to that place where we become connected. We, we, we sense what God is saying and we key to it. Say, I hear you. Hallelujah. We said prayer is the inevitable or unavoidable spiritual exercise. You must pray. You must pray. It's an exercise. If you don't do that every day, something is wrong. We said no prayer means no interaction with heaven. If your prayer is still, Father, thank you for today. Bless me as I go. Kill all my enemies. Do everything. Just protect me. Favor me. Open doors for me. Just be ranting and talking like that. You're not praying. If your prayer doesn't introduce you to a point where you hear God, you have encounters with God, then what you're doing is what they call a monologue. Prayer is communion. You are not the only one talking. He talks to you. Do you hear him when you pray? If you not stay there until you hear him. Did you hear what I said? You stay there till you what? Till you hear him. Prayer is essential. Say it's essential. Prayer is ultimately communion with God who lives in us. The place where all issues are addressed and settled in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, men ought to pray a lot to faith. Say, I hear you. Go to Luke chapter 18 verse 1. We read that before. Verse 1 to verse 8. This was a parable Jesus gave to illustrate and to teach us the lead to always pray. Luke 18 verse 1 to 8. What did he say? And he spake a parable unto them to this end or for this purpose that men ought to what? Always. You notice the word always? Always means always. All the time. Every time. To pray and not to faith. What does it mean to faith? It means to give up. When you do not pray, what happens to you? You give up. You give it and you give up. Are you with your Bible? Please make sure you're looking at this. Verse 2. Saying, there was in a city a who? A church. Which feared not God, neither regarded men. And there was a widow in that city. She came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself. Why did he do that? Because of the consistent push of this woman. Though I fear not God, nor regard man, verse 5. Let's read verse 5 together. What did he say in verse 5? Yet because this widow troubles me. Tell the neighbor, say, let to trouble your trouble. Say that again. Don't let your trouble trouble you. Let to do what? Trouble your trouble. Lest this widow trouble let me, I will do what? I will avenge her. Lest by a continual coming, she will do what? She will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Now, everybody, verse 7 and 8 together. And shall not God avenge his own elect? Which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Verse 8 I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. What was the purpose of this parable? To teach men that men ought always, always. Everybody say, always. always. I didn't hear everybody say, always. Say, men ought to always to pray and not to fail. So, Jesus was teaching this Bible to illustrate the power of praying and not giving up. Say, amen. amen. Alright, good. Now, the, what, is, what does the unjust judge represent in this story? Write this down. The unjust judge does not represent God. Uh -uh. Some people have thought that 
They say you need to go to God and say, God, today you will not rest. You will not rest. I will not rest. You must answer me. You will not, or you will not sleep. By the way, it doesn't sleep. Okay, it's you that sleep. Right, he that, see, he that watches over there that sleeps, no, the slumber. Oh, I will break the gate of heaven. No, you can't even see the gate. So, to break it doesn't come. Many of us have been taught that God is withholding something from us. God doesn't do that. You, you, you've been communicated a wrong picture of God. You know what God said? He said, if evil men knows how to give, give to their children, how much more be your father? Will I not be able to give you good things? Will you ask me for a fish? and I'll give you a snake, or ask me for bread, I'll give you a stone. So I don't do that. If men, as evil as they are, can give gift to their children, when they are, how much more me? So who told you that you have to bombard? You need to, you need to push it. You need to, you need to, you need to you, who taught you that? Many of you think that God is the enemy. He's not the enemy. Is he you? Hallelujah. He said, I will never leave you. I will never. So God is your ally. So stop. Those mindless prayer, it's because it's not based on the word of God. It's based on your selfishness. All right? When the Bible said the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent take it, it by force. It's not used in collection to God. God is already on your side. The violence has to do with the resolve to overcome every resistance to your obtaining what belongs to you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So this is what we need to do. The unjust judge is not God. No. What does it represent? In English, there's what they call a metaphor. A metaphor is when you use a particular thing or a subject with certain qualities to illustrate or communicate um, a lesson. So if I say something is a metaphor, that means there are certain traits in that particular thing, like in the story, we can observe some particular trait about the judge. Number one, he doesn't fear God. Is that not true? And the Bible says he doesn't regard me. So he's the kind of person that, if you go and see, he can make you wait at his reception from morning till night. How many of you know people like that? And they, when they come out, they'll be checking their key. Oh, you are here? They told him how many hours ago that you were there. Hey, I've been very busy. And you've been seeing him chatting on his phone. Not that he was busy. That's human before you. That's the kind of man he was. He was a difficult man. Another way to look at it was a diff, very difficult. He said, and the Bible said, he didn't fear God nor regard me. And he was a snob. He was the kind of person that didn't have time for people. He didn't, he didn't value. So, what does it, those future features in the parable were deliberately given by Christ to teach us. It's a metaphor for the following. The unjust judge is a metaphor for resistance, human resistances or hindrances to the will of God. What did I say? Human resistance. The first level, the unjust judge represents human resistances or hindrances to the will of God. Your greatest hindrances are coming from you. Because most of the time, what you want is not what God wants. And God has given you his word to educate your will so you can submit his will to his own will so that he can be bent. But no, we don't want God's will. We want to bend God's hand. Hello? We want to manipulate God. Force him to do what we want. God is too big for that. You can't force him. He's the one that does the using. Not me and you. We can't use him. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. He gave us his word so we can agree with him. Two cannot work together except the word. Except they be agreed. So he gave you his word to educate your will so your will will be renewed into his will that it can flow through your will. Hallelujah. Alright? So the unjust judge represents hindrances or human resistances or hindrances we encounter in the place of prayer. Mind you, the subject is of prayer. Is that also? Those are the things we, that we encounter in the place of prayer. Alright? These resistances or hindrances represent a talent. Write this down. There are two levels of this resistance or hindrances. We're counting them. Remember, it's teaching about the subject of prayer. Why do we need to always pray and not give up? Because there are resistances or hindrances to overcome. 
What are these resistances? Write them down. There are two levels. There are internal and there are external resistance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are what? Internal or external. Now, there is one word that explains the resistance or the hindrances. One word. It's called stronghold. Everybody says stronghold. Say it louder. So we can say there are two levels. There are internal stronghold and there are what? External stronghold. Do you know what a stronghold is? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talked about casting down strongholds. Then he tells us what they mean. Write this down. Let me explain to you what struggles are. Write this down. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you ready for this? Yes. Write this down. What are struggles? Glory to Jesus. Okay. Write this down. Struggles are acquired way of reasoning or thinking and behaving. What did I call it? Acquired. Everybody say acquired. Another word for acquired. When you acquire something means you've been taught that thing. You've learned it. You've engaged it so it has become part of you. Like for instance, before you went to school, huh, there was a way you were thinking. Strictly village levels. Is that not true? Especially for university. If, if you got admission into university and, or you lived all your life in the village, the day you are going to school, they think you are going to another country. You will carry all your boss, everything. And by the time they see you come, they say, wait, this is where it's village person. Then, when you've done first year, your eyes are open. Is that not true? This time, your brother will last time, I read you the boss. Say, oh, no, 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 no. I just need one bag. Say, what? Ah, what of this? Uh, one bag. You last start carrying traveling bag. Is that not true? Because your eyes are open. You see other people do that. And you find out that there's a simpler way of doing this thing than I was used to. That means you've been taught. You've been introduced to a different way of thinking. And you've adopted it. A man is a product of his thinking system. What has framed the way you think? What has educated your mind? Your sense of fashion is as a result of the way you think. Because the way you dress, the way you dress, the way you speak, the way you behave, they come from the way you think. Everybody look at me. Remove your eyes from your Bible, everybody. Remove your eyes from your phone. Look at me. What am I wearing? What's the color? No, it's not brown. What's the color? I say it's not brown. Why, why do you say it's brown? Because what? Because you can see it. What gave you the impression? Some of you are still looking at your phone. What gave you the impression that I'm wearing brown? Eh? Eh? You were taught. Who taught you? How do you know this color is brown? That, that's where we were what? You were taught it was bad. Please pay attention. Everybody, look at me. I want to, I want to stop looking at your phone. Drop whatever you're doing. You were taught that this color is brown and you adopted it. Anywhere you go and you see it, what do you call it? Brown. You call it brown. Because you've been taught to think that way and to speak that way. So anywhere you go, you will call it Brown. They say, why is it brown? See, that's, that's the color. Now. Why is it the color? Because that's the way we'll be trained to think. We'll be trained to think, to see, to speak, to address, and to approach. Write this down, everybody. Anything you are, any issue. You know, you have heard people say they have issues in an area. They struggle in an area. They find that they are not doing some things. Meanwhile, in other places, in other areas, they are doing it. Like you have something like an interest, maybe you like going to gym, and it's an interest in you. Because you've already trained your mind and considered it important, you will never make excuse for it. Is that not true? Eh? Okay, but let me tell you, let, let us go and pray six hours. The moment I use the word prayer, then I'll mention six hours. Ah, 
<laughs> you say your stomach is paining you. You say uh, you have to go somewhere. Why? Because you've not been trained that way. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Maybe you're a woman, you've not been trained on respect. You're always the kind of person that talks anyhow. And instead of you to learn the quality of respect, you are the type that just open your mouth, no break. Then you don't marry a man. The slightest provocation of insult. Because that's the way you've been trained and it has not been altered. What will you do? You will start talking like You will first of all insult the man from head to toe, toe to head, toe to waist, waist to head, head back to... Finish the man first. Because that's the way you've been taught. That's the way you see. That's the way you talk. Can I, can I tell you something? There's nothing like, you know, when couples marry for a while, they say sex drive is low. There's nothing like low sex drive. There's nothing like high sex drive. It's what you've been framed in your mind. Your drive are controlled by the way you think. Hello. That's why the Bible says this is for couples. That's why the Bible says defraud not one another. What does it mean to defraud? It means to use excuses to deny your responsibility to each other. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm saying that for somebody. Don't punish your husband with sex. Don't punish your wife with sex. Don't say, I'm not feeling it. You are a selfish person. And you are lying. I know the couple say amen. Yeah, some of you were just delivered. Say, no, I'm, I'm not feeling No, you are, you, are, you are being selfish. You've adopted a selfish way of thinking that wants you to do things where you want it and where you like it. That's, this, these are part of the things we confront here. Because these are the things that resist the will of God in our They are strongholds. And you will, those are the unjust judge that are holding the justice to our redemption. Because nobody said, I am not going to, you must avenge me justice. I must take what belongs to me. The woman will not give up, but many of us will give up. We will submit to the unjust judge. We will strike a deal with the judge. How many of you have struck a deal with the judge? Because uh, there's, there's one thing you need to understand. Striking a deal with the judge is bad business. Because the judge does not fear God and does not regard men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what do we do when we pray? We deal with these internal and external resistance. The first one is we. Because there is a pattern to our behavior that is destructive to the purposes of God for our life. If we do not confront it and deal with it, it will prevent us from entering the will of God for our life. There are some of you, you have habits of anger. When you get angry, even your husband will take over. So we talk about the verse, the verse, the verse. You think it's Bob. So no, no, she the verse, the verse. She the verse, oh, she the verse, the verse. Then by the time you have children, the children, you have discipled them. Ah, Bob is angry. Bob, everybody take over. Bob is angry. Where's daddy? Is he that in the toilet? Where's the everybody? Because when you are angry, angry, it's like Hiroshima Bob, the whole house, everywhere is shaking. Good, 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 good. Don't do that. Because that, maybe while you are angry, God sent an angel to come and give you a message. Hello, are you with me? Or he sent an angel to come and deliver a word for you. Because you are angry, you will hear, the angel will be talking, talking, you will listen, you will hear. So there are internal and external struggles. Are we there? Say, I hear you. Please hear this. All right? And what they do is that they prevent us, listen, they prevent us from experiencing the manifestation of the things that God has already answered and given to us. Because the Bible says, when you pray, believe you receive. So at the point of prayer, we receive. Is that not true? And it says, we shall have. Why is the have delayed? Why is the have seem to be taking longer than necessary? Because we've not confronted those internal and external strongholds that are preventing us from walking into the manifestation of what God. And God says, I will be along with you. Hello. 
Why will God bear love? Because God is trying to test you, you know. God is trying to make sure your faith is... No, 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 no. The reason the Bible says God says I will bear love, God says I will forbear until you overcome because I have given you the authority, I have given you my word, and I have given you the platform of prayer to address it. I have done my part through Christ at redemption that it is up to you to take and do your part. That's why you will read prayer places like this in the Bible. Rejoice evermore. Why? Because everything you need for you to rejoice all the time has been supplied by Jesus Christ. Is that not true? Hello? It says, give no place to the devil. Why? Because everything that you need to make sure that the devil has no foot in your life has been given to you by Christ. Hello? So, God has done his part. Are you going to tolerate Satan and tolerate the situation? Tolerate the circumstance? Tolerate what's going on? Or are you going to take your authority in Christ and stand your ground and say, Satan, back off! Write this down. God will not rebuke the devil for you. It's against New Testament covenant. You have the authority. He said, behold, I give unto you power to do what? To tread upon serpent and scorpion and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Who is going to drive the mountain away? It is you, not God. What did he say back in level 24? Whosoever shall say. He didn't say when God will say. He didn't say that. Whosoever. Who is the whosoever? Me and you. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and will not doubt in his heart, but will believe that the things which he said shall come to pass. What will he do? He shall have whatsoever he saith. The problem is that we have now learned how to live with the mountain. How to talk about the mountain. In fact, some of us have even made the mountain a fellow bedfellow. In your bed, your mountain is sleeping with you. Be a shift for me. Ask your neighbor, say, tell your mountain to go. If you believe God has healed you, and you believe his word, and speak to your body, any condition in your body that does not agree with your status of healing, it changes in Jesus' name. You keep talking until you have what you believe you have what? Received. I speak to my body. You're fruitful. Glory to God. You are fruitful. Every item of, of fruitfulness, you leave my body in the name of the Lord Jesus. I went for an eye check, you know, just, Dr. Lord, say, say your eye is very, is very good. Though. I said, I know. Why is it good? I said, because I talk to them. He said, your readings were the same reading I did like a year ago. I said, I know. He said, but see, you know, in this one, one side of your life, just one small thing that looked like gold dust, but really not an issue, but let's check your blood sugar. I said, doctor, I said, I don't have blood, I don't have sugar problem. Never had, will never have. And apart from that, I'm not even a lover of sugar. I've never had sugar. My father didn't have. So even by natural birth, we don't have sugar. Don't talk of spiritual. So by spiritual and natural, I said, I don't. He said, okay, let them do your test. I said, come and test. So I went the next morning and said, it's good, it's very good. I said, I know. You should not find out your head from your doctor's mouth. Know it from the word of God. Some of you are waiting to be sick. Then you now, doctor, am I okay? Ah, you, you are finished. Because if you are waiting for that one, you are finished. Because you don't know. You want a test result that the devil can jump inside and manipulate the result. I say, ah, your BP is, ooh, ah, hey, are you the worker? Are you not supposed to work? Hallelujah. You need to know who you are. Pay attention. When you come into the house of God, pay attention to the word. If you do not, see, one of the things that fights you when the word of God is being preached, when, when you, 
there's one word. Let me stop with this. I'll continue from second seven. There's a word the Bible called corruption. Everybody go to Second Peter chapter one verse four. I, I just want to introduce to the word, and I'll talk about it during the second service. Quick, 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 quickly. My time is almost up. Second Peter chapter one and verse four. Can we read it, or if you can shoot that on the screen faster, please? Second Peter one verse four. Is everybody there? What does it say? He said, whereby are given unto us great and precious promises that by these you may become what? Are you reading your Bible? Please, all of you, eh, as a from less service, please be coming with manual and electronic Bible. Is that clear? Me and your pastor will be carrying my own too. Some of you are used to this poetry thing. You don't look at your Bible again. Carry both physical Bible. Uh, that, that, that's a must for all leaders. So go and get that your big Bible. Go and collect it back again. All right? This electronic thing is spoiling some of us. Carry your Bible. Did you hear what I said? Everybody. All right? Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might become what? Partakers. The word partakers means you're, you're, you are no longer earthly. Tell me, I'm not earthly. I'm heavenly now. Yeah. I'm a partaker of the divine. Having escaped, read it, everybody. Please pay attention. Having what? What? What is the corruption? What is the corruption that is in the world? What is it? Please, you need to get, what is the corruption that is in the world? Very good. Do you know stronghold? Another word for struggle is the word. You know what lust is? Lust is simply works of the flesh. It is by way, by thing, the way I see it, the way I want it, because that was what Satan told Eve. He said, you will be like God. You'll be able to call the shots by yourself. It's the corruption that came into creation. We always like our way. Then when a message is coming to us that we should change, we will say that the way I want to I go to So we resist change. There's a right of the Spirit of God has been staring about. It's called the principle of scriptural change. When you do not change, the Bible says you don't fear God. Psalm 55. He said those who don't change, they don't fear God. That telling God that they are like God. Because the only one who cannot change is God. I am the Lord, I change it not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob, you are not because you. But if you do not change, you are saying to God that you are on the same level, and that's pride, that God will resist you. We all need, because it's a constant we lead every day. And what loss tells us is that we are okay where we are. We don't need God. As long as we're calling the shots, it's fine. But it's a struggle that will resist God's will for our life. Rise up on your feet. Hallelujah. As somebody will bless this morning. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehousechurchhc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.